All right. Hey, buddy. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm not talking today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, let me introduce you for a second, all right? Uh, I've gotten to know Eric over the last year and a half or so, uh, and just so those of you who don't know, he played for Washington State, was uh, drafted, <laughs> drafted by the Raiders, position of safety. And special teams, you're one of the top special teams player in the league when you played. You played for Detroit, Minnesota, Cowboys, go Cowboys. Um, also, um, just by way, uh, this is uh, probably more important, he's a husband, father of two, uh, man of God. Uh, the times we've gotten to spend together, uh, always refining, love it. Uh, and by the way, tomorrow's his birthday. So that's a little bit about you, and we're going to spend some time. The reason I thought this would be a fun way, and thank you, by the way, for agreeing to do this, um, is in our Never Regret series, and we did um, Grit, Grub, uh, Groove, and we're closing out with Game, is there's so many lessons uh, in sports that translate or correlate to everyday life, and we thought we'd take some time of talking about what some of those sort of things, lessons you've learned over the years of, of playing both from Pop Warner football all the way to NFL and along those things. So everybody wants to know this because all the parents are trying to figure out how do they get their kids into the pro athletes, you know, pro sports. So, uh, because that's a retirement game plan. Um, <laughs> so why don't you tell us your story? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for speaking so highly of me, Ryan. <laughs> I, well, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's great to be here. But, um, yeah, so a little bit about myself. Uh, so really the journey started in third grade. And, um, you know, I remember Mr. Roberts was my teacher. And, uh, you know, he's going around the room, and it's, it's one of those times where he's asking students, like, what do they want to be, you know? Hmm. And you get some answers, doctor, you know, firefighter, lawyer. Um, you know, and I told him, I said, I want to be uh, a professional athlete, an NFL player. Um, and he kind of paused the whole, you know, kind of conversation. Um, and he just unloaded these stats on me you know, percentages of, you know, uh, you know, how rare it is that mm. somebody makes it, you know, to college, let alone the NFL. Sure. And, you know, honestly, that's kind of where my journey began. Wow. Um, you know. With someone saying you can't, basically. Well, so, someone said I can't, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I was really interested, that interested in football at the time. I liked sure. basketball more, but told me I couldn't do it. Right. And so, um, <laughs> you know, and so that's where I kind of, you know, focused, um, you know, and it started a little late, you hmm. know, it was, uh... Third grade's late to you? Well, well... <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. these days, you know... You, that's true. Parents are starting a little, a lot sooner. Yeah, in the womb. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, no, but, um, so seventh grade is, you know, I started, um, is when I decided to play football, and I had a buddy that, you know, invited me, you know, to come, like, come try out, um... And I remember I was late to the season, and I had been telling my dad um, that I wanted to, you know, try tackle football. And uh, so we walked out, 
on the field because we didn't really know what the protocol was, right? Sure. Um, we missed sign-ups. So my dad walked me out. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're mid, they're mid-practice, and, you know, we introduce ourselves to the coach. You know, and the coach, you know, um, you know I say, hey, I, you know, I'm interested in playing, um, yada, yada, yada. And so, um, you know, he calls one of their fastest players out of practice, um, and he lines us both up, mm. and we race. And, um, and I beat him. And uh, so the coach, you know, tells another coach, hey, get this kid some pads. And that was, <laughs> that was like, you know, that was like the beginning of it, right? Wow. Um, you know, and from then on, you know, you know, Pop Warner, you know, I excelled, you know, I was a, just faster than everybody else at that point in time. You know, I don't know if that helps a lot of parents with how to, no, <laughs> just naturally. Just no. if they're fast, they got a shot. If they're slow, you, you, work you might look into a different option. That's right. I, I guess. <laughs> no. um, yeah, so, um, you know, so had some success. Yeah. Um, you know, By the way, we're talking, you grew up in San Jose. That, I forgot to yeah, mention that. San so Jose, this California. is all happening yeah, right here. Oak Grove, Oak Grove um, you know, Pop Warner, Oak Grove, and, you know, Oak Grove High School. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, fast forward two years, you know, I played two years in Pop Warner. Fast forward to high school, everybody that kind of comes, uh, you know, through the Oak Grove Pop Warner school system, you know, go, they go to Oak Grove High School. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like a farm system type deal. Um, and so the coaches knew about me. Um, you know, my freshman year, I kind of, you know, I joined the team. I remember, I didn't play at first, right? I, I think I was a fullback, so it's a position that, you know, you don't really get the ball a lot. Um, and our starting running back didn't make grades. And so um, I can't remember how far into the season it was, but I ended up playing running back um, and did really well. You know, 20-plus touchdowns, you know, as a freshman. Um, Sophomore year, you know, know, 28 touchdowns. I mean, I was like, yeah, I was doing well. Sure. Um, You know, but I will say that, um, you know, at that point in high school, I got to say I was like the loneliest, Hmm. most popular – person on campus. Wow. Why is that? Um, I was so dedicated, um, you know, to the game, to preparation, to, I mean, just to give you an idea, um, you know, we'd play a game, it was on Saturday, um, you know, instead of going out and celebrating, I would go home, ice my ankles, get a nice bath, do whatever I had to do. I'd wake up the next morning, and um, I don't know. You remember the jump soles? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, yeah. are amazing. Like yeah. Oh, I had it. Yeah. I don't know if anybody remembers those. but I Because everybody wanted to jump like Jordan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I would wake up the next morning. I'd put on my jump soles, and I would go run, run hills okay. um, to get ready for the week. Wow. And I worked extremely hard, even in the off-season during the summer, worked extremely hard. So I really had no you know, kind of social life. Right. Um, and so I had... I want to make two comments. I'm going to enter... Yeah. There's two things that I, are so powerful for us not to miss. One, you had a dream in third grade, and you're always going to have people, when it comes to your dream, say you can't. And, and so often we give up on our dreams because of what others say uh, we can do instead of trusting the one who says what we can do. That's really, really important. Uh, and we, you know, sometimes, and by the way, us parents, sometimes we do that to our own kids. 
Instead of speaking life, we always go, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Instead of stepping back, okay, let's trust God. Uh, the second thing right there that I love is we celebrate the, what happens on the big stage or during the game and often overlook what happens in between and the training that it takes to accomplish that. Everyone wants the end success without the training in between. And you will never end up with 28 touchdowns your you know, sophomore year of high school without the putting in the work midweek. And the same is true in our spiritual life as well. All right, sorry. I'm, no, back, that's, back to your story. You know, that's that's uh, you know spot on. That was that was great. Um, and so you know, I, I had one friend, and mm. he was like a, a math champ or a champion. Of, I don't know. He was just really smart and not very athletic. <laughs> and it was a perfect perfect match, right? Um, and so um, yeah, I just you know put in a lot of time. Um, but then you know conversely, um, you know at practice um, I wasn't quite the leader, right? Mm-hmm. So when we did drills, we'd run around, you know, just to kind of warm up. And um, I'm kind of hanging in the back, right? So all my, tr- all my training and preparation was kind of my secret. Um, and I would just show up on game day and just, you know, do my thing. Um, and I remember my coach coming to me, Coach Buller, mm-hmm. um, and he told me, he said, you know, there's colleges asking about you. Um, you're talented, but I don't know what else I can tell him. You know, you're not you're not really being a leader on the team. Mm. Um, and so it was at that point that I, I was like, okay. So I started, you know, t- took the initiative, um, started to to really, um, you know, put in some work on in the classroom, mm. uh, on the football field. Um, you know, before you know it, you know, I had like, you know, Washington State, San Jose State, University of Colorado, you know, a bunch of other schools offered me my junior year in high school which was strange because I was like, I haven't even played my senior year yet. Um, uh, you know, and so ended up doing great my senior year and, you know, had a couple more schools, um, you know, come in and offer me, you know, full ride scholarship. And um, it came down between uh, Washington State and Oregon. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I remember Oregon was really kind of, you know, kind of um, using their facilities and uniforms, um, you know, at Washington State. They were really um, leveraging and recruiting me with the players they had, you know, the quality, um, guys that were poised to play in the NFL in the future. And so I went to Washington State, um, you know, and, you know, you know, in hindsight, best decision I ever made in my life, right? You met someone at Washington State, I believe. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. This is, uh, so, I, so I, Washington State, you know, I met Amy, um, which was probably the highlight, um, you know, and you know, she was, it was perfect. She knew nothing about football. <laughs> I would, uh, I would go and play and like, we would go for coffee or go hang out and she would just want to talk about everything but football, which was like the coolest thing. And so, um, so I loved it. Yeah. You know, it was like, I could have my football life and then, you know, just, well, there's out. this weird part, you know, whether it's college campus or in the NFL, you quite, you wonder, do people like me for who I am? Really, yeah. or just for what I can do and want to be around, and that's a really special thing. Of like, Amy just loved you for you, right? And was like, football, cool, whatever. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And is that kind of funny too? So you know, they come out with the poster with all the like, you know, the captains on the poster. Um, and I remember the poster came out, and uh, you know, I guess her sorority sisters were like, uh, "Did you know, you know, that Eric plays football?" and <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember. I rem- it, was, it, was, it was really funny, and I remember she, you know, she was like, "Oh, so you're you're on the poster?" And I was like, and I just thought it was so funny. I was like, I was like, yeah, I play, you know, I play some football, you know, <laughs> mess around. Yeah, I dabble. Yeah. I dabble a little bit. Um, um, yeah, and so um, that was that was a highlight for me, you know, in college, um, you know. But kind of rewinding a little bit. You know, my freshman year um, was kind of a wash, right? I think that was a time where I really, um, you know, everything I didn't do in high school, you know, party and, you know, you know, experiment with alcohol, I, you know, I did all that, um, you know, kind of got it, you know, um, yeah, just did it, didn't right. know what it was like. Um, and I remember my going into my sophomore year, um, a friend of, a mutual friend of Amy and ours, Nicole, you know, she kept telling me she wanted to meet with me, you know, and I was like, she was, I was like, you know, what for, Nicole? And she was like, um, she was like, you know, I just want to share Jesus with you. Mm. Um, yeah, and I would tell her, I'd tell her like, hey, Nicole, I grew up a Christian. I'm cool. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I know who Jesus is already. Yeah. Um, but she was so persistent. She just kept asking me, um, you know, until the fifth time, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you and, yeah. you know, let's talk. And um, she you know, she really highlighted, she asked me, you know, where is Jesus in your life? You know, is he at the center? You know, is he on the throne of your life or is he just in your life? Mm. Um, you know, and that was a real turning point for me. Wow. Or I, I shouldn't say, well, it was a turning point, but a turning back to, you know, kind of kind of where my focus should be, um, which was really great. And so um, so starting the, you know, fast forward, starting the so- my sophomore year, um, you know, first game of the season was University of Colorado. It was a huge game. Right. You know, I had redshirted my, my first year. And, um, you know, I was super pumped up. And my roommate and I, we slept through our first meeting. Um, and uh, uh, I remember the coach told us, he said, hey, excuse me. Coach told us, hey, you guys, you're suspended. You're not playing this game. I remember being so frustrated uh, that I wasn't out there because I knew I was better than the, you know, the guy who was, who was out there taking my, my, my spot. And, um, but it got worse. So my coach decided that he would run both of us. Um, but I was the only one he continued to, to run, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, um, and I sold the first time you know, we were running. I sulked the whole time. I just couldn't, I didn't, it didn't sink in. I was like, I'm talented. You know, I don't need to. Running means discipline from, for those who don't yeah, know, yeah. discipline yeah. from the coach. Punishment. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're running lines or running, uh, what do you? Bear crawls, running the stadium. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All the above. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so I sulked the whole time because I felt like, you know, I don't deserve this. I'm, yeah, I'm talented, you know. Um, and so it in, ended up, he let the, my, my roommate go. Wow. He was done after the first time, but he continued to run me for um, two and a half weeks. Wow. And it was 5 a.m. on the dot every morning. Uh, we'd go out to the practice field, and it was before the, 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 the bulldozer or snow plow would push the snow onto the side of the field. So this is in the wintertime. Um, and I remember having to do sprints, bear crawls, or crab walks um, until I got tired. And my coach, would, he wouldn't say anything to me. Um, he wouldn't tell me, you know, how long we were going to go for. Um, and, you know, when he decided that, you know, I, I had had enough, <laughs> um, he would just, you know, say, hey, meet me 5 a.m. tomorrow, and he'd walk off the field. Um, and so this went on for about, you know, this went on for about two and a half weeks. Um, 
And I remember, you know, um, you know, one morning after I'd run, yeah, I called him on his cell phone. You know, and I told him, I said, Coach, you know, um, this is not how I want to be defined on the field as a player or in life as a man. Um, and I told him, so, you know, I'll see you tomorrow at 5 a.m. to run, essentially telling him, like, hey, you're not going to break me. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting. I remember um, being kind of surprised because I heard, t- like, kind of, like, whimpering. You know, he, t- like, he was crying on the other end of the line. Um, you know, and he tells me, he goes, he goes, you know, Eric Frampton, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you're done. You know, you, you're, you, you don't have to run anymore. Um, and I think that was really a turning point for me in college um, because all of a sudden, you know, I would, you know, I started, you know, he would put me in the game uh, over a, a, a senior safety who also went on to play in the NFL and had a really long career. Um, and he would put me in the game over him. You know, mm-hmm. he... Um, there were certain things that, um, you know, he would just, like, you know, give me complete, like, freedom. If it was practice, he'd tell me two-thirds of the way in, you know, just take a, you know, just rest, just watch the rest of practice. Um, and so um, sophomore year, you know, it, it really kind of just picked up from there. Um, you know, I kind of uh, assumed that leadership role. Mm. Um, you know, and before you know it, you know, there were, there were scouts, you know, out at practice and, um, you know, uh, ended up getting an invite to the NFL Combine. That's like the, you know, national, you know, the big stage for all the college players. And um, then I was drafted in the fifth round in the NFL. Now, so. you say like it's nothing. <laughs> That's cool. Here, a couple of things that are really powerful about this, that uh, in your story, all the way back to your high school coach, to um, the young lady that was so persistent, and then your college coach, uh, pay attention to critical conversations in your life. Uh, you, you had critical moments and junctures in your life. A coach that saw in you what you didn't see in yourself and called the leader out, which allowed you to go to the next level. Same thing happened in college. A coach that saw in you and was willing to put you through what you didn't want to go through so that you could become what you didn't know you could become. Sure. Right, and, and this is so important because in everyday life, we often don't embrace the coaches in our life. We don't welcome them, and we push them away. When someone has something hard to say, we push it away and you know, do something else. And this is so important to become who you were created to become. You have to invite the critical conversations in your life. And I just think it's so powerful. And the second thing in that, uh, and I, is both from, what was the, the young lady's Nicole. name? Nicole. Yeah. So what I love about Nicole, because that was, that was a little, that was a, a reset for you in your walk with Jesus, is she didn't take defeat. She, she didn't say one time. Well, I, 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 I said, hey, can I have a conversation with you about Jesus? I'm good. Cool. All right. Well, see you later. Right? That's kind of right. how. Yeah, it, but it was persistent pursuit. And for some, there's some relationships in your life that Jesus is wanting to use you to draw them to himself. And you have had the idea, but you've never stepped out. Or you have stepped out once, and then you gave up. And it is this persistent pursuit, this in continual, winsome, inviting and uh, asking, and then God uses it. And you never know. 
uh, which time? You said the fifth time, I think yeah. it was, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just so powerful for us. So would you pay attention to the critical conversations, embrace coaches that may say things that you don't want to hear or say, you need to go through this and uh, draw out who you were called to be. All right, so let me step back um, and go NFL career, seven years, which is a great career in the NFL. Um, and you got to play for the best team, the Cowboys, which is great. Um, <laughs> which, um, but what are some of your favorite memories from, uh, from that season? Sure. Um, there are quite a few, actually. Um, you know, a couple that stand out, you know, right off the top were um, in Pop Warner, the, the two years I played. Um, the second year, we ended up going to, I think it was, it was Florida, and winning the national championship. I think we beat a team from D.C. and another team from L.A. Um, high school, uh, when I was pulled up as a sophomore, um, yeah, I ended up, um, you know, scoring a touchdown in our playoff game and then again in our championship game and helped our team win a championship. Um, you know, college was, you know, holiday bowl. We beat uh, University of Texas, which was... Um, that which hurts. Was, which was yeah. huge. Oh, it was, it was one of the... The greatest memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know um, the uh, the 2009 Minnesota Viking team was one of my favorite um, you know experiences competing. Mm. Uh, we had ten Pro Bowl players on that team, four All Pros. Um, uh, we had back-to-back division champ. Who's the QB for that? Uh, it was Brett Favre. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just in case you're one. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, you know, I remember, you know, we were in the big game, right, NFC Championship game, game before the Super Bowl. Um, we were playing the New Orleans Saints. Um, and I remember we were facing Reggie Bush, who mm-hmm. I'd, I'd seen a lot of time, you know, faced many times when he played at USC. Um, and I remember I, I put a huge hit on him on, like, the one-yard line, forced him to fumble, re-recovered it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Adrian was not, Adrian Peterson was not able to, we weren't able to punch it in. Mm. Um, but that was by far one of my um, greatest memories yeah. competing. It's amazing. It's a, what a great moment. And what I love is how you started, so in 2009 there, but you started all the way back with Pop Warner, right? And a lot of times we don't know the end process and don't look at the long arc at life. And it started all the way back then and developed through those seasons, through high school, through... uh, And at any moment, you know, all those moments prepared you for that one moment on the one-yard line uh, to be able to step up and perform and uh, do what Mm -hmm. you were called to do in that moment. So here's one of the things that I I would love to maybe shift gears uh, with um, and just begin to look at... And the reason I actually wanted you to share isn't that you're an NFL player, even though that's really fun, uh, but what I love about you is your love for Jesus. Uh, and uh, Eric and I, we hang out actually multiple times a, a week, uh, <laughs> and, and Jenny says, so we lift. I obviously train him. Uh, <laughs> and... You're getting better, by the sure, way. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's better. It's better. It's better. Um, but, but one of the things that's been so great, and my wife knows, she's like, man, you just come back 
so refreshed. And it's not the workout, even though the workout's great, but there is just this, I feel like there's this sharpening, you know, as iron sharpens iron, uh, refreshment. And so, like, you, you love Jesus. You're a man of God. That, to me, means way more than anything else. You're a man of character and of integrity. Uh, and so, uh, what has been like some of those significant moments in your life or significant people that have helped shape you as a follower of Jesus? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, um, you know, one was uh, my discipler, Todd Langerville. He was a, like athletes in action um, director. Mm. Um, athletes in action is kind of an offshoot of Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, you know, and I remember, you know, my sophomore year, around the time that Nicole, um, you know, I'd say mid to late, mid to the, to the end of the year, my, of my sophomore year, um, you know, we had had some conversations, and he was pushing me, you know, to, you know, to, to share Christ in the locker room with, like, guys um, in the locker room. And, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, one of those roles, because I think, you know, based on, you know, what they had found, um, our football team was like the least engaged, you know, uh, spiritually, um, or least plugged in. Every other sport, you know, at our meetings had multiple attendees, and I was the only one. Mm. And so he kind of pushed me into this this role. I don't I, I don't know if it was a leadership role, but um, you know, put some pressure on me there, um, you know, to kind of show up. Yeah. Um, and so at the same time, you know, everything was happening with my coach Kenny Green. Um, who was, you know, had just, you know, you know, put this, um, you know, uh, you know, moved me into this leadership role in the football team. Right. And I think, you know, the convergence of these two pivotal uh, moments in my life were really impactful, and I don't even think they knew about it. Hmm. Um, so in saying that, um, you know, one of the things, um, you know, one of the things for me um, uh you know, during that time was um, I really struggled with what it meant to be a great football player um, and what it meant to be a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Because all the football players that I knew uh, were all about the money, the women, right. et cetera. Right. And that doesn't exactly, you know, mesh well with, with being a Christian. Um, you know, and so I, I, I came to the conclusion, um, you know, that... Um, you know, being a Christian is a great verb and a poor noun. Um, you know that it was it was the action that made me a Christian. Um, you know, and with that, um, I I believed wholeheartedly that what God was calling me to do uh, was not just to be, um, you know, a Christian on the side and then a, a football player in the field, but to honor Him across the board. Yeah. And what that meant is giving God my best. And so for me, that translated into, okay, I want to be excellent in everything I do. So um, it's always funny. I always think about this. Um, you know, if God were a football player, what would he be like? Or if Jesus was a football player, what would he be like? And, um, you know, I think he would be, you know, grabbing balls with one hand, putting huge hits on people. And that's, that's what I'm thinking at yeah, the time, yeah. you know. Um, and so, you know, I was, um, you know, excellent on the field. I worked harder than anybody. Um, you know, I, I was a big hitter. Um, but then off the field, um, you know, I was, 
I really charged myself with the task of being kind, um, treating people with respect. Mm. And in the classroom, it was nothing but excellent. So it was, it was you know, how, how much of my life could I give God? Um, and one of my favorite quotes, I don't know, I maybe shared this with you before, but uh, by the, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, yeah. um, you know, speak softly, but carry a big stick. And I think that really epitomizes, um, you know, who I was at that point. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, Kenny Green and Tyler really shaped, uh, you know, kind of who I was without even knowing it, knowing it. Um, but it was just kind of this, you know, um, you know, the expectation of being a leader in these two different areas that caused me to, um, yeah. No, that's great. Just give it to God. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and these and key relationships in your life. And one of the things I love is translating this to maybe the business world or whatever world you're in. I don't know what exact world. Uh, but I, I love that sometimes we think of Christianity or being a Christian as a noun. That's a great way to say that. And it's just something I am like that's what I, but it doesn't connect to everything else but it's a verb it's it's how you go about everything else in life it actually is the filter for the way you compete it's the filter for the way you do business it's the filter for the way you love your spouse or your kids uh, it's how you go about life and that's so good and it does look a little bit differently uh, and we were talking earlier about this about if you we're sharing Jesus in the locker room, but you sucked as a football player. Yeah. You're lazy. Nobody's going to listen. You had no influence <laughs> at that point, right? But no. being excellent on the field gave you a voice in the sure. locker room. Sure. Uh, which is, and that's, that's a huge principle uh, for, I think, those who are whatever industry you're in. Uh, maybe shifting to that, that conversation, uh, and we got just about a few more minutes together, but... but I think one of the toughest places to be a Christian is in an NFL locker room. It, probably any pro sports locker room, uh, but it's, it is, like you said, it's guys with a ton of ego. They're, they're a lot of guys that, man, they exist for themselves and showing you, you know, that they're the big man on campus, if you will. Tons of money. It's about women. And in the locker room, there's... Not a whole lot of limits there, right. and so how, what some of the challenges you face, and how, how are you a follower of Jesus sure. in that environment? Yeah. Because I think sometimes we we struggle here, and we have all kinds of excuses in different industries or different business worlds or different areas of like, well, I can't really be a follower of Jesus here, and um, going like. Okay, so if Framp can do it in the locker room, we can do it everywhere else. Okay, so so how'd that go? I, so I don't I don't know if it's a, you know I was a great example because <laughs> I, I mean I'll I'll say this I didn't say you're Jesus <laughs> I didn't know right right um, you know I'll say this um, you know high school uh, was uh, lonely um, college got lonelier and I'd say the NFL locker room was the loneliest I'd ever been. Mm. Um, and that was mainly, you know, being in the locker room. I mean, it's such a, a an area of of it where sin is concentrated. Right. Um, and I remember going in from college, like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna change the the way that you know people see NFL players. I'm gonna be a Christian. I'm gonna, you know, share Christ with everybody. You know, I come in contact with. And I remember my first experience was Warren Sapp uh, in Oakland, just ragging on, making fun of me. <laughs> And I was like, 
can I really do this? You know, um, no, but it was, it was, um, it was really lonely. Um, you know, one of the things I, um, you know, I made sure uh, was, you know, there were certain conversations that would happen in the locker room, uh, whether it was about women or whatever it was. Um, you know, I always kind of refrained, you know, from, you know, those conversations or those activities. I was really low key. My wife and I, after a game, we go straight to, um, we go to dinner go home, relax, kick our feet up. Um, you know, but what I didn't realize was how impactful that was for players in the locker room to see. Mm. Um, and I had no clue, right, you know, coming from college and, you know, campus, you know crew, right. campus crusade for Christ, you know, it's like, you know, a bunch of college students on fire for God, you're, 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 you're sharing with everybody you come in contact with. And right. here in the locker room, you know, I'm basically... Uh, afraid, not, well, I shouldn't, eh, not afraid, but just not, you know, um, you know, engaging in those conversations or activities, and I'm thinking, I'm a terrible Christian, mm-hmm. like, I am not, like, doing what God has called me to do, um, you know, here in the locker room, um, but, you know, and, and when I say I was impactful, what I mean by that is um, I found, you know, coaches and veteran players um, you know, if they cursed in conversations around me, they would apologize to me, say, Framp, hey, my bad, Framp, sorry, you know, and it's like, you know, and I wasn't a, like a, a, a snob or right. a, a Christian snob or a Bible thump or anything like that, um, but they would apologize to me, or if we went to watch film at a teammate's house, and they were, you know, heavy on the drinks, you know, serving drinks, um, you know, and they would kind of bring the drink, you know, you know, offer me a drink, and not that drinking's bad. I just, you know, at that time as a professional, I didn't, you know, I didn't drink. Sure. Um, and so before it even got to me, somebody would speak up and say, "Hey, Framp's good. You know, he he he's uh he, he's good. Don't don't worry about it." And so I found guys really, um, I don't know if it was respect or just you know what it was, but um, guys looked out for me. Yeah. Um, and so much so that. Um, when I was in Minnesota, I was actually asked to be on, um, like, the leadership council or whatever you call it. And so I'm sitting in a room with Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson and um, all these guys, you know, where – and I'm a, at that point, I'm a second-string safety special teams guy. Right. Um, but the fact that they thought, you know, highly of – that highly of me, yeah. you know, to be in that room. Um, and so to answer your question um, – you know, I just really refrained from certain things, and um, I think, you know, people saw that and um, kind of gravitated towards that. So. Yeah. I think that's really important because I, I think, because even just your self-doubt of, like, well, I wasn't this great, isn't that refreshing to hear? Because I think that's how a lot of us feel at times, and am I really having an impact? Is it really making a difference? Um, and then uh, looking at it, well, if I really was on fire Christian or whatever, then every time I'd see so-and-so, I'd be like, hey, do you know Jesus? Right? <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the picture some of us have in our head. Uh, but how powerful it is to model the message, to, you know, to actually live it out and live with integrity in an play- environment that lacks it and how it actually gives you influence later. And integrity always proceeds to influence later. And that's the, that's the huge part of it. Not just like, hey, man, I was this. It's in the private moments, not in the public, where you had integrity 
and it led to influence later. Minnesota is a, a prime example of that. And it's, it's a challenge. It's a struggle. It's hard. There's times where, like you said, it's lonely. And that's so good to know. Right? I mean, somehow we have this euphoric understanding of what the Christian's life is going to be like. And when you follow Jesus and, in, and you're at the elite level and you're struggling, you're going, man, it was lonely. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to life. That Jesus didn't promise that it was going to be easy. In this life, you'll have trouble. But take heart, what? I've overcome. And you've gotten to experience that. And so, anyways, can we thank Eric for being here? Um, as we've been talking, there's one verse, it was my verse, one of my verses for last year that I just wanted to read over you before I send you out, um, because the Apostle Paul would make a lot of connections to the Christian life and athleticism, the sports arena, and here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 24. Do you, know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? There's only going to be one team today that's going to get the prize. We don't know who it is. But here's, here's the key. Run. This is for you. Run in such a way as to get the prize. For you. Run. In such a way. Run. Like, like run hard after Jesus in such a way as to get the prize. Hmm. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Yeah, it's going to take uh, Sundays with jump soles on when everyone else is hanging out and playing. To get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, in light of that, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What if? What if we started to focus and run the race with an intensity, with a strategicness about our training, realizing that the game of life far supersedes any other thing. Living for Jesus is the greatest thing on the face of the planet, and we would run hard after him. In Jesus' name, amen.